It's great to see all of you here today. I also would like to welcome you who are on Facebook and joining us for this service. God's good, isn't he? I enjoyed last week tremendously. It's like a family reunion. Um, I have a large family. I come from a large families. I have a large family. When we get together, it's a bit chaotic. It's a bit out of control. But last week was a lot out of control, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really good. I've likened my journey here at Grace Point to a roller coaster ride. I uh, like certain roller coasters. I don't like the really tall ones, but I like, like the corkscrew at Valley Fair. I liked it a lot. One time I went on it like 10 times in a row. And what, what, what about a... What I like about a roller coaster is, 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 is several things. First of all, is you feel a little bit out of control, right? Isn't that the fun of it? At times you feel a little bit fearful. I like that weightlessness feeling you have at times when you're like upside down and you're not in a seat or touching anything. I think that's kind of cool. And, and at times it just is scary, but at other times it's just so much fun. It's just so enjoyable. And that's what I feel like the last several years here at our church has been like. Fearful at times. Sometimes it feels a little out of control. At other times, it's just so much fun, isn't it? Isn't God good? Amen? And maybe that analogy doesn't ring true with you. Think of something that does and put yourself into that. Uh, in the year 2018, I really have felt like a single word uh, could, could kind of characterize what we've been about. It's the word intentionality. Um, we've been talking a lot this year about what it means to be intentional in following the Lord Jesus Christ, what it means to take ownership of our own spiritual formation. And as we entered into this fall, we haven't departed from this theme at all. We're looking at now what it means to be an intentional worshiper uh, of God. Christianity is about the conversion of rebels into worshipers. If that be the case, and I think it is the case, then we really need to know and understand what it means to be a biblical worshiper of the Lord God. And so here's a simple definition for you. Worship is the way the follower of God is to do life, period. Worship is the way the follower of God is to do life. Now, biblical worship takes place then in the heart and the lifestyle of the follower. So biblical worship is internal and external. It manifests itself in both of those areas of our lives. Our series goal is a little different, but I'll explain what this means here in a moment once again. Here's our series goal for this intentional worship series that we're doing for eight weeks here this fall. That you see God as he truly is. That you get a glimpse of the majesty and the awesomeness of God and become so preoccupied with this that you truly worship him then in your heart, and that spills over then into your lifestyle, amen? See, I could tell you all, and some of you are very diligent this way, try really hard. Be intentional in your worship, and you might go home and try really hard and do a little bit better, but ultimately, we enter into the intentional worship realm when we just get so preoccupied with God that we can't get him off of our minds and we can't get the thought process out of the way we do life of how to bring glory to God in the way that I live. Amen? So it's not about trying so hard. It's, become, it's becoming preoccupied with God. Well, preoccupied simply means to be dominated or let me just say it this way. Preoccupied means dominate or engross the mind of someone to the exclusion of other thought. So God just dominates our thought process and therefore dominates our lifestyle. I think the secret of intentional worship is getting engrossed with God, getting overwhelmed with who God is, getting captured by glimpses of his 
greatness, so much so that it changes how you think and changes how you live. This is moving into the intentional worship uh, as a lifestyle that God intends us to move into. So what we're doing this fall is we're getting preoccupied with God. That's kind of a good agenda for a church, isn't it? That was meant to be a little bit of a joke. But we're trying to get preoccupied with God this fall. And we started this process last week by looking at Psalm 145, which I think gives us several great attributes about God that just need to sink deep into our souls and into our our hearts. And we began last week by looking at the greatness of God. So let me ask you this question. Have you been preoccupied this last week with the greatness of God? Have you made it a practice to praise the greatness of God? Have you taken time out of your, of your schedule and just said, God, you are great, and I praise you for your greatness? Have you done like David did in Psalm 145? Have you told of the great things that God has done in your life? Have you commended him to somebody else? God becomes greater in our lives when we begin to realize what he's done in our lives and when we commend that to somebody else. Did you... Meditate on his wonderful works. Did you slow your pace to give space for the thoughts of God's greatness in your life? As you make it a practice to praise God, praise his greatness, as you meditate on his wonderful works, as you slow your pace to give space to think on the greatness of God, you know what you're doing? You're becoming an intentional worshiper. So this morning I'm practicing this message. I I do that several times. So I'm speaking it out loud and I'm walking laps around the activity center here and, and I get done and I still have 10 minutes to go before I have to meet up with some other folks. I say, great, I got a ch- chance just to praise your name for a while, God. I have a chance just to slow down a little bit on a busy morning like this and just magnify you for a few moments because, and I prayed this, I said, God, I just want these guys to know how great you really are. My heart just beats that way. God, would you do things in their hearts? Would you stir their hearts in ways I cannot? I said, Holy Spirit, would you just come to this place? Would you do things in these people I could never do? Would you begin to just do stirrings that are deep in the body of Jesus Christ here at Grace Point that are beyond human manipulation or human control at all? Would you just do things, God, where we stand back and go, wow, it's the roller coaster ride. It's fearful, it's all the control, and man, is it fun. Would you do that, God? So I think at times you get these moments where you just slow the pace and you give God space and you just begin to magnify his greatness and you're now entering into the realm of intentional worship. This morning we're moving into the next attribute of God identified in Psalm 145. Um, Like God's greatness, this attribute needs to preoccupy our minds. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this scripture out loud this morning. It's Psalm 145, verses 8 through 12. It should pop up on the screen behind me. I want you to read this out loud with me, loudly, okay? So that, hey, you know what I really enjoyed this morning was your singing. You guys were loud. (laughs) You know what? I could hear your singing over the band. I walked in and go, whoa! I like that, by the way. That was pretty cool. Anyway, as we read this scripture this morning, read it loudly with me. Here we go. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Amen, huh? 
So guess what attribute we're talking on this morning? The compassion of God. We're going to talk on the compassion of God for a few moments today. Do a mental exercise with me. Do you like to daydream? I love to daydream. I don't have to work very hard at it. I daydream really well. How about you? I could be sitting there in a real serious conversation with somebody and realize I haven't listened for five minutes because I'm daydreaming. Do you ever do that? So now I'm giving you permission, daydream. Okay, here we go. We're going to take a little daydream journey. Think of somebody who, who is super compassionate. Maybe the person that is the most compassionate person you know in your life. Think on that person for a moment. Do you want to spend time with that person, with him or her? What does their memory do right now for your heart? Does it make your heart go pitter-patter and you kind of get joyous and you get a little smile on your lips? You see, when you think about the person who's very compassionate, usually you think winsome thoughts about that person. They, they are really winsome to you. You like them. You want to be around them, right? Their compassion is just as attractive. Amen, right? You don't think, oh, that person is just too compassionate. Just don't want to be around them because they're so nice, right? Here's a big thought today. The Lord is compassionate. And when we think of Jesus, and when we think of God, it ought to bring joy to our heart and a smile to our lips. When we think of God's compassion, it ought to just kind of flabbergast us. We ought to be speechless at how compassionate he really is. Compassion means this, sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Now, being compassionate is not something that God does every now and then. It's who he is. It's how he's been revealed to us. In Exodus chapter 34, God met with this ancient leader, Moses. He was the leader over the Israelites at that time. And he was going to meet with Moses on Mount Sinai. And once again, he was going to give him the Ten Commandments. Now, what had happened previous to this is God had met with Moses and had given him the Ten Commandments. And then Moses had come down off the mount and found the Israelites doing all kinds of crazy wrongness. And he got so upset, he just threw the down the tablets, if you remember, and broke them to, to, to pieces. So God called Moses back up once again, told him, chisel out some new tablets, come back up on the mount. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments once again. And then Moses has an encounter with God. That, to me, is so telling of who God is. It happens in verse 6 of Exodus 34. Let me read this to you. And he, the Lord, passed in front of Moses proclaiming. Listen to what he proclaims. Of all the things he could say about himself, this is what he proclaims to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So God passes in front of Moses. He's, he's going to make himself known. What's one of the very first things he says about himself? The compassionate and gracious God. Compassion is pretty important, isn't it? If you're going to introduce yourself to somebody and you're going to say, well, this is what's really important about me, the first thing you said probably is something that they would hang their hat on a little bit. That's probably very meaningful. So the, God says to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. God's not just compassionate at a time. He is compassion. It is part of his nature. It is who he is. 
Now, he does judge and he is righteous, and we'll talk about those kind of attributes down the road a little bit, but this morning we're zooming in on the compassion of God. So I want you to say this with me out loud. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. It should show up on the screen behind me. Say it out loud with me. Here we go. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Now, here's what I want to have happen in your life. I want that phrase to be burned on your mind. I want you to see those words throughout the week. I want you to meditate on them frequently. I want you to stop and just say to yourself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. I want you to begin to internalize this thing so that it begins to manifest itself in your life. That's how worship works. That's what it means to be an intentional worshiper. I think sometimes people look at the hardships of their lives the difficulties that come their way, the disappointments, and we can begin to to, to think a lie, that God doesn't care, that God's not compassionate. In reality, what's going on is you just don't have the full picture, right? But God has been revealed to us as compassionate. It is a revealed truth. It is a declared truth. We need to embrace it. We need to become convictional that this is who God is in spite of the good or bad times that we're going through, right? Right? It is who God is. It's been how he's been revealed to to you and I. Now, in times of my life, whether it's been in the context of pastoring or being a dad or being a manager, I've had to do and say some hard things to people. Can any of you relate to me on that? Anybody relate to me on that at all? If you're in any kind of leadership position, any kind of friendship position, any kind of family position, which should be everybody in here, At some point in your life, you've had to say or do some hard things. Now, here's some of the problem that we can often face when that happens to us. Oftentimes, someone might observe that who's not in the know. Doesn't know you, doesn't know the situation, doesn't know what's going on. And it can appear to that outsider that you don't care. That you're a harsh person or whatever, and they can render a judgment that probably is inaccurate. Well, here's why I'm sharing that, because I think we can all relate to this to some degree, right? Say you have to discipline your child, and it's kind of a public place, and they're just cute as a button, and you're getting after them, and everybody's going, that's a cute little kid, what's wrong with you? Right? And you're going, she's not so adorable, you don't understand. (laughs) But you, you have to take care, and they're thinking, bad, bad parent. And you're thinking, bad, bad kid. They just don't know the facts, right? They don't know the facts. Guard your heart from ever doing that very thing to God. Don't let the hardships of your life, the disappointments of others, and all that kind of thing mess up who God is. God is and has been revealed to us as compassionate. That has to become something we embrace as truth no matter what and become convictional about believing in it, amen? No matter what is going on, this is how God has been revealed. So as Psalm 145 says, the Lord is compassionate to all, slow to anger, rich in love. Whatever he does, whatever he allows, God is compassionate, he is compassionate, he is compassionate. And we see this compassion up close in Jesus Christ, God, Son, God incarnate, God in the flesh. And if I had to give that a label, if I had to give Jesus kind of a label, I'd say Jesus, God's compassion in flesh. That's just my personal label, but Jesus is God's compassion in flesh. He shows us God's heart up close, and as we see God's heart up close in the Lord Jesus Christ, what we see is compassion. 
Let me give you an example of why I come to this conclusion. It's found in the story of the raising of Lazarus, a friend of Jesus from the dead. Now, Lazarus was gravely ill, so his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent for Jesus to come and do something. Well, Jesus doesn't get there in time, and Lazarus actually passes away. So I'm going to read to you John chapter 11, verses 17 through 44. It's a long section of Scripture, but it's so good. I thought about abbreviating it, and I said, no, I'm not going to abbreviate it, because I just want you to hear the whole whole, uh, account. So listen to this account and hear and feel the compassion of Jesus and realize this is the heart of God our Father. Listen to this story. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. That's where they were at. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Hint, hint. You get in that? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered theologically correct. I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Very safe comment. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Listen to her answer. Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she tagged off to Mary and said, I- I'm done. She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, get the emotion of this. Get the, get the, you know, the anguish that this girl's going through. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and spirit and troubled because he's compassionate. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Why would he weep? He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows what he's going to do. Why is he weeping here? Because he's compassionate. He's feeling the troubles of those around him. He's having that pity on them and that identification with them and, and relating to them. Then Jesus said, see how, then the Jews said, excuse me, see how he loved them. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man? Could, could not he who had opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laying across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. Martha's really practical. If you read, read about Martha, you'll see this is one practical girl. She's always looking at the practical side of life. For he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Quite a story, isn't it? Quite an account. Remember, compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. When Jesus experienced death like that of, and, and, and what it was doing to people, he was moved with compassion to the point where he wept. And what we see then in Jesus is the heart of God. He has compassion for the plight of people. Amen? Jesus showed compassion as he wept because of suffering that death had brought on people. That's the point if you're a note taker. So when we see Jesus weep, we see the compassion of God the Father. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen God. So when we see Jesus weep over the death of this friend Lazarus, what we see is an illustration of the heart of God towards people, amen? And he has a heart of compassion. Let's say this out loud together again. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Are you getting preoccupied with God at all this morning? Are you getting preoccupied a bit with his compassion? Is it starting to kind of penetrate into your heart? Because if it does, you'll worship him. And your life will never be the same. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus was making his way back to Jerusalem It was towards the end of his ministry here on earth. He was now marching towards the cross. And he he has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So as he approaches Jerusalem, he's overlooking Jerusalem. And he says these words in Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he, what? Wept over it. Uh, Here he is weeping again. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So Jesus here shows compassion as he wept over the lost state of the people. Is this not revealing to you and me the heart of God? He has compassion on us. Jesus wept over this group of people. He says, I'm your salvation and you're not seeing this. He had concern for the misfortune of these people. He had compassion. Uh, It is who he is. It's the nature of God to have compassion. Are you getting preoccupied with the compassion of God this morning? Let's say this again. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. Say it again with me. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. I want you to say this all week long. I want it to be on your mind. I can't get it off your mind. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and grace is God. You see this whole theme all around the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. You even see this theme in the return, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Specifically in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we're told this about Jesus' return. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. People are wondering, when is Jesus going to come back? It's so hard on this earth. Why are you taking us so along to come back, Jesus? And they're wondering. And so Peter says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, Instead, he is patient. 
with you, not wanting anyone to what? Perish. But everyone to come to repentance. That is compassion. God is saying, I want people to know me. I want them to spend eternity with me in heaven. That's why I'm delaying the return of my son, Jesus Christ. So God demonstrates compassion in the return of Jesus. Say it again with me one more time. Do we have to, I'll say it, and then you can say it just to make sure you get it. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. Say it all, all with me. The Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God. Understand this. God is righteous. So that has to be coupled with compassion. But this morning we're focused on compassion. You know, you, God isn't some grandfather figure that's kind and overlooks everything we do and says no big deal. That's a, that's a misunderstanding of who God is. Um, we'll get into that down the road. But compassion, man, he's compassionate. So compassionate. And here's the takeaway I want you to kind of focus on this week. Um, if you truly believe God is compassionate, and I hope you do, I hope that's just in your soul now and in your mind. If you really believe that God is compassionate, then how will it affect your life? That's my first question to you, my first challenge to you. How will it affect your life? And secondly, how will it affect your interaction with others in good and bad times? If you really believe God's compassionate, how will it affect your life and interaction with others in both good and bad times? See, ask the people of God, if we become preoccupied with the compassion of God, if it becomes an overwhelming truth that we're embracing and we're convictional about believing in it, then we're going to have a grateful heart no matter what we're going through. Amen? And we're going we're gonna to reverence God in our heart. We're going to adore him in our heart. And that, my friends, is worship. And it's going to spill over then in compassion demonstrated to others. It's going to be how we treat other people because that's what we've received. And so scripture like Ephesians 4.32 takes on different understanding where it says be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Or Colossians 3.12, I love this scripture. Clothe yourself with compassion. When people look at us, we're supposed to be so full of compassion, it's like they're seeing our clothes. It's who we are. There is hardly anything greater shown to an individual than imitation. If you say, I really adore somebody, I really respect somebody, you'll most likely imitate that person. Amen? And so when we're told here to put on compassion, to clothe ourselves with compassion, because God is compassionate, and we actually do it by imitating God this way, by clothing ourselves with compassion, we are saying, God, I love you, I adore you, I worship you, because I am showing compassion like you've shown compassion to me. And guess what we're entering into then? That's intentional worship, isn't it? It's becoming a worshiper of God. So what we're going to do now is we're going to end with a word of prayer, um, and then we got a song that will take us uh, to the close of the service this morning. So would you bow your heads with me, please? God, I want to thank you for this day. I, I've been, in my own soul, this is a message, God, that I really needed to, to just dwell on. You're so compassionate, God. And that's easy to forget sometimes in the middle of hard things in life and the busyness of our schedules can be overwhelming and the frantic pace that we try to do life on can just take the life right out of us as we try to do more things than we're designed to do, Lord. And we can be just come forgetful and, and we can lose um, our mindfulness of, of your great compassion, Lord. 
And so today I pray that, that that phrase, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, would just be on our mind. It would just be there no matter what we're going through, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, Lord, whether it's a hurried moment or a slower moment. I just pray that that phrase, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God would frequently invade our thought process and that it would become something that would then focus us on you, God, and worshiping you. And it would also focus us on this idea that we're to live this life of compassion. And when we live a life of compassion, God, we're an intentional worshiper because we look a lot like you. So help us to have the same kind of compassion in others that you've shown to us. Help us to be clothed with that compassion. Holy Spirit, invade our hearts and make it so, I pray. Empower us to live life this way. God, thank you for this day and this opportunity to talk a bit on you, on your greatness, on your compassion. May we become intentional worshipers using these tools of revelation of who you are, God, as just catalysts to push us into that direction. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. I want to pray for anyone today, Jesus, that maybe is struggling. Maybe they don't even have faith in you yet. I just pray, Lord, in this moment that your Holy Spirit would touch such a heart and that you would reveal yourself, make yourself known to that person in a very real, demonstrative way, God. And that such a one would give their life to you, follow after you hard. And I want to pray, God, in all our cases, whether we're really on the top of the game here when it comes to following you, Lord, or feeling a little depressed this morning. God, more than anything, I pray we would just understand and embrace these truths about your greatness and your compassion and that they would just change our attitude towards you and that we truly adore you and revere you, Lord, in our hearts and that that would be manifested in the way we do our lives. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus and by his blood and all God's people said,